I never knew what joy could actually feel like. Mm -hmm. And I never knew what the opposite feeling of that could feel like because I'm like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm for the first time really experiencing this fullness of joy. I don't think I've ever really experienced for a prolonged moment in time. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going, and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. Vision of success. Welcome to the Boss Babe Podcast, a place where we share the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning to balance it all. I am your host for this episode, Natalie Ellis. Okay, so me and Danielle were in Napa a couple of weeks ago for just like a very informal friends mastermind. It was phenomenal. We had such an amazing time, and I feel like I'm still integrating all of the lessons learned. And I also feel like right now I'm in a place where I'm really starting to find the balance. You know, the balance that people talk about between business and motherhood, ambition, and all the things, finding your feet again after having a baby. I feel like I'm in that place now and I'm finding a really good rhythm, which is great because in the beginning I was like, how am I going to find this rhythm? Is it ever going to come back? And it really is. It's brand new. And I feel like I'm integrating my new self with parts of my old self and creating a schedule that really works for me, finding a rhythm in my schedule, getting clear on what my boundaries are, what my priorities are. And it's been feeling really, really good. It feels great to be working from a place of being energized and feeling creative versus feeling stretched and burned out, which is definitely how I felt when I came back to work after my maternity leave. I felt like I just was ending the day with an empty cup and I just wasn't sure how I was going to navigate it. And so taking a step back and taking a breather has been so supportive and it's feeling really great. Um, So that's the life update. And then diving into this episode, this one is amazing one with a friend of mine, Nita Bushan, who is also a fellow mum entrepreneur. She is an emotional health educator and an executive performance coach to global leaders and CEO, as well as thousands of women from all walks of life. Um, She's actually been a speaker at Women Economic Forum and Google. She has a really interesting personal story, navigating death, cancer, domestic violence, divorce, overcoming a lot of things, which led to the book that she's releasing right now called That Sucked, Now What? And it's all about those really hard moments, those really difficult experiences where it can feel like you're never going to get out of that rut or that dark place. And she talks tactically about how to do it because she's navigated so many of what you would call sucky moments. And so I think you're really, really going to love this episode. And we also talk about balancing motherhood with ambition as well, which is something that's so top of mind for me as I learn to navigate and figure it out myself. So I know you're going to love it. Let's dive straight in. to the podcast. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to be here. So what I'm really excited to dive into with you is, you know, I think for a lot of people, given the state of the world and where we're at right now, it feels like we've been through a lot. Mm. Just as a as a world, we've been through a lot. And for so many listening, they've been through their own moments of a lot. Chaos, you know, 
deep transformation, soul seeking, all of the things. And one thing in your new book, that's up now what, which is out now, very excited about it. You talk a lot about being able to come through something, learning the lessons, building the resilience. Why is that important? Why is the resilience side important? Why can't we just learn, come through it and, and get going with it? Just, and just get going. Just get you going. know, just keep going. So, uh, I mean, the title in and of itself, right? That sucked. Now what? For me, it was such a personal, personal title. And yes, it's edgy and it's all of the things. But I think for me, even in the saying and what I actually, this came about when my son, who's now four, he was two years old, but this whole entry into motherhood really broke me open completely in ways that I could never imagine. And this was like, okay, that sucked because in my mind, everything was like not going as well and not going to plan and, you know, figuring out what my identity was during those times and not even knowing I had severe postpartum depression during that time until I actually went on the other side. You know, we were just talking about it on my podcast as well. And so the, this whole idea of okay, having a mantra, having an anchor. And I just started saying it like throughout the, throughout this whole process of having a toddler who's two, feeling all of his emotions, like fully being that wiggle worm and like breaking down and flailing his hands and his head on the floor and his legs. And for me in those moments, I felt the need for my own reparenting mm. because I had to grow up so fast. I had to, I went through a, a tremendous loss that for decades I would not even face head on because I was like, nope, I'm going to, I was taught very young that resilience meant toughness, mm -hmm. that resilience meant, nope, we're going to button everything up and pretend like everything's perfect and shove it under a rug and avoid or numb and focus on your school because that's what we need. My parents were immigrants. My dad was from India. My mom was from the Philippines. So, you know, this whole idea of like this work hard ethic was instilled very, very early and the idea that we have to, you know, do and get these accolades and, and all of the achievements and the piano lessons. And so it was a lot. And it was, you know, a lot of this, this really big loss of losing my mom, my brother and my dad all before I was 19. I kept a lot of that really hidden because I didn't want to be considered different. And this was the mantra I grew up with. Like resilience mm -hmm. mean you're, means you're tough, Nita. So there's nothing to cry about. And so I remember even at my dad's funeral, you know, this was after losing both of my, my mom and my brother within a span of these four years and now losing my dad, which we were so close. And he had this 10-month battle to, you know, lung cancer. And even at his funeral, I just remembered... I was, I was trying to hold back tears so much. And I mean, you know, I wasn't told ever it's okay to cry. You're so safe. It's okay to break down. So fast forward, when I got into my own journey of motherhood, seeing my kid just like lose himself in this like swath of full emotions, I needed to stop myself because the part of little Nita just wanted to be like, 
no, Ari, you're strong. Stop. Stop mm-hmm. it. Stop it right now. Mm-hmm. And I needed to then catch myself. And for those of you who don't have kids or have never been around a toddler, it's hard to do that because they're going to be showing all aspects of their emotions <laughs> a lot. So this was my constant practice for probably, I don't know, three, four times a day during you know the, the twos. And that's when that mantra, okay, that sucked. Now what? It was just, it, it just came into my mind. And I really, it begs the question of me asking a different question of what does resiliency actually mean? Because I remember vividly when I first had my full awakening and my deep despair, my you know dark night of the soul, and that was going to probably forever change my full trajectory. So you can imagine having gone through all these losses before 20 and then heading into my 20s thinking like, all right, I got this. I've got, you know, my parents always said like legacy is big, success is big, education is big. So I went to dental school, had this whole trajectory into dental school. And then I would be probably one of the first in my class to get a practice early on. So all of these things, I'm like, all right, I'm on the right path. I'm, I didn't even know what the word healing was, but mm-hmm. quote unquote, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that stuff happened to me, but I'm tough. I'm tough mm-hmm. as nails, mm-hmm. right? And so, well, what I didn't fully heal is my love relationships. In fact, mm-hmm. I, was, I was sucky at all of that. I was good at building this outward toughness and mental resilience or what I thought that even meant at the time. But then I would get into this incredible, now I say incredible, but it was absolutely painfully horrific and hard and tough and would bring up so many dark emotions that I never allowed myself to feel. In fact, again, hiding, burying it, you know, shoving it under a rug, making sure I was doing the next biochem class or the mm-hmm. next thing or or putting it all into work, right? Like how a lot of us high achievers do. I didn't want to face the suck. I didn't want to face all of that. And so I was this glass or this granite that on December 31st, I literally broke down in the craziest way. I mean, it was, I was in a haphazard first marriage. And that's when I looked in the mirror that day and I said, I don't, who am I? Like, who is this girl who has the seven figure dental business on the outside, has built all of these things? You know, my family friends would be like, you should be like Nita. Look at, she went to dental school. She raised herself, all of these things. And for me, I'm just, I'm breaking down and finally allowing myself to wail, scream, cry because I knew the gravity that I was in in that moment to then say, okay, I need to pick up all of my pieces because I thought what resilience meant to be tough and as as hard as glass. But that day, my glass fully shattered into a million pieces that I had to fully pick back up. And so then in my 30s, it would be this whole host of relearning and really truly diving into a whole slew of personal growth, healing, therapy, because all of that, I kind of did like the therapy part, 
when I was younger, but you don't necessarily do it for yourself. You're doing it because crisis people in high school want to make sure you're good, you're you okay. The they they need to take the box and when we take personal responsibility and which is what I talk a lot about in the book and one of the frameworks in the book is called the bounce factor. And for me in the point of my 30s really redefining what resilience meant, that it could actually mean that you're soft like a ball, that it could actually mean there's a little bit of that flow, a little bit of ebb and flow, kind of like what we see with these, you know, beautiful aerial yogis and dancers where they can just, and gymnasts, where they can just like ebb and flow in their body. Yet we're taught that resiliency has to be so tough. And fast forward in my you know, seeing my two-year-old break down in this way, I'm like, yeah, he can have all of the feels and all of the feels were so valid. And so that gave me this new definition of, of resilience. I've never heard resilience described as you can be soft like a ball and still be resilient, but that speaks to me so much because I very similarly, when you deal with a lot, you just seem to get tougher and tougher and put all this armor on and you think the armor is actually supporting you and sure it might be what you need to do at the time sure it might be the the coping strategy that you know best because you might have seen that happen but the minute you take the armor off and you go through it that's when you build up the real resilience that's when you build up I want to say trust in yourself that you can handle big emotions you can handle situations that feel so out of control and you can get through it on the other side and, and pull yourself back together and button yourself back up and be able to, to, to come out of it stronger, but not in that kind of tough way, but in a way of like, I trust myself to go through hard things. Yes. Oh gosh, absolutely. And, and this, you know, this bounce factor, because I wrote my first book in 2016 and it was all about emotional grit. And I thought I was going to connect the dots of everything that I had been through. And I interviewed, you know, so many different leaders around what their definition was of success Mm. and what contributed to their success. And the number one answer for everybody was resiliency. Mm. So I was so fascinated because I'm like, okay, well, resiliency in Latin, it is the the ability to bounce. Mm. So it's not that we have to just be, you know, resilient in Latin means to bounce. So it's not that we have to be really tough, but if we actually remember that a, a basketball or a tiny little ball that you'll probably be giving to Noemi at some <laughs> point, I give it to my kids all the time. When we let it go, it bounces. It bounces. Sometimes it bounces high. Sometimes it bounces low, but if we can take that metaphor and say, okay, there's four parts now that I've, you know, kind of in my research and just having all of these conversations, what actually comprises of resilience? Mm -hmm. And now it's the first part is your upbringing because so many of us, and which is why I'm so fascinated about human dynamics was it's based on, well, were we able to have those conversations at the dinner table? Were you treated differently with your brothers or your your male cousins than you? 
different cultural nuances. You know, my my mom's family um, is from the Philippines, so there's a lot of matriarchs who are very strong. And you don't necessarily know that about Filipinos, but that's it. But in with Indians, you know, it's the the men. It's it's very patriarchal, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was something that was big in in my upbringing before I became a child caretaker at ten, right? And so, and then we get into your emotional capacity to feel. Are you allowing yourself to feel some of the dark emotions that like for myself, I kept in a closet for at least two decades until Mm -hmm. there was nowhere to put it. It got so overwhelming that I'm like, I just need to leave this relationship and literally being able to say it out loud and acknowledge like, oh, wow, I said it. Mm. Okay, I said that I am in an abusive relationship. And those words coming out December 31st, I'm like, okay. So it's the beginning mm-hmm. when we start to actually allow ourselves to feel the gravity and the depths of that. That is huge. And then when we get into, you know, your environment, your good stress, which is the third part of building your resilience that third part is all about, well, what's your current environment look like? Are you actually setting yourself to be complacent? Mm-hmm. You know, and I know in in the work life and, and all of the things that go on in with this generation of quiet quitting that comes mm-hmm. up so much. We were just talking about yep. it earlier. Yep. And, and if we are not testing ourselves, if we aren't challenging ourselves, how are we going to grow so that when something really big does happen, when something really pivotal does happen, are we able to integrate that? Are we able to sit and embrace what I call the suck? Because it's going to suck. A breakup, a betrayal, you know, you didn't get the job that you wanted. You didn't get the gig that you worked so hard for. All of these like big things well, how are you activating that good stress? And that good stress can look like in a whole slew of things, but that's the third part. And the fourth part is our radical self-awareness. Like, are we actually taking the time to tune into what really feels good right now and what our body actually needs? And for me at that point, that dry heaving of like, mm. you know, the crying and the, yep. you know, and and that happened quite a bit, even, even when I was pregnant with my second. And then Ari was, my, my son was just like doing his whole thing. But for me, it was allowing myself to feel and even regulate my nervous system because I grew up with such chaos. I grew up with such messiness, but to then have a new relationship with it, because now that messiness looked like sleepless nights. It wasn't mm-hmm. a gut wrench punching feeling that like, oh shit, somebody's going to die tomorrow. You know, so I could actually then embrace sometimes the small T traumas and the big T traumas and have a whole new perspective of what I had just because you're on the other side of something. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is one of my favorite self-development platforms and I want to take a minute to talk about it because it's a place that I continue to refer back to every time I'm looking for inspiration and education. So if you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love it. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every single month. I recently enjoyed watching Anna DuVernay's class titled Reframe Your Thinking. She's an award-winning filmmaker and she walks you through how to reverse engineer a plan to defy your limits and reach the goal that you have in your vision. 
So not only does Mosscast have really tangible business development classes, but also includes classes in 10 other categories like food, woman lifestyle, music, wellness, design, so many more. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash bossbabe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash bossbabe. Masterclass.com slash bossbabe. This year, learn from the best to become the best with Masterclass. The theme of this year at Boss Babe is keeping things simple. 2024 is already off to an incredible start. Team Boss Babe is coming off a huge launch that felt so easy, so stress-free and honestly energizing, which says a lot. Quick backstory, last year we did a full platform audit of the subscriptions, platforms and products we were using to run everything behind the scenes and basically cancelled 75% of our subscriptions to go all in on one platform, Kajabi. Listen, you guys, when I tell you I did the research, I did the research. Kajabi is our podcast sponsor and one of the main reasons we had effortless checkouts and an amazing customer experience during our most recent launch. The platform has everything you need to build a business online and allows for unlimited ways to diversify your revenue, build your brand, and turn your audience into paying customers. We actually used to have a custom membership platform. We moved all of our membership to Kajabi and it looks better and functions way easier than ever. We also used to have different platforms for things like landing pages, funnels, email campaigns, checkouts, you name it. And it is a breath of fresh air to have everything in one place in Kajabi. There's no need to have multiple platforms with zaps tying them all together. Instead, I really encourage you to go all in on one platform and I'm the biggest fan of Kajabi. They typically don't have extended free trials like this, but right now you can head to kajabi.com slash boss babe and get started with your free 30 day trial. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash boss babe for 30 days completely free to play in the platform and see if you love it just as much as we do. That's kajabi.com slash boss babe. That framework, what you've just walked us through is so powerful. And there's a couple of things I want to dive into here because it, it kind of sounds like you've had two big windows where you've been, you've walked through to meet a new version of yourself. And it sounds like the first time was December 31st looking in the mirror. And another time you mentioned was motherhood, your journey into motherhood. And what I really want to highlight here is you don't just have one dark night of the soul and then you're good. (laughs) No, no. This is an ever, ever expanding journey into being the most full version of ourselves, experiencing the full human experience as much as we might not want to. That's kind of the path we picked and that's where we're at. (laughs) So Talk to me about that first window and then I want to go into the second window. What did that look like for you and what kind of decisions did you need to make in order to step into what was next for you? Oh, yes. So when we have a fall, and I call it a fall because it is sometimes literally a fall in life, like we get into a medical, a car crash, an accident, something, or maybe it's a a metaphorical fall where for me, it was this really big decision of Am I going to stay or am I going to go? Am I going to let people in finally or am Mm -hmm. I going to pretend that everything's okay? Because that's what I was taught in this like performative vibe. But I knew I couldn't hold it in and I couldn't hold it back for that. I I 
for that long anymore. And that's when you're faced with this like ignition. And ignition is another thing I talk about in the book. It's part of like this whole idea of how to fly forward past sucky moments. And, you know, it's part three of the book after like in the now what? All Mm -hmm. right, that sucked. But what's now what? Like, what are you going to do next? And for me and those pivotal decisions that we make, I mean, it was, okay, am I going to even tell my brother, my my brother who we've been through so much, is he going to finally know? And guess what? I didn't have to tell him because the closest people to you, they already know. They suspect mm-hmm. and they, they want the best for you. And for me, it was listening and, and deeply listening to friends that had like planted seeds and says, you know, they said like, Mita, we want the best for you. Like whatever it is that you need, And basically, you'll see that angels start to come into your life in Mm -hmm. forms of people, guides, mentors. And we just have to say yes. And then we get into this uh, idea that I call the rising stage, which is like stage three of flying forward, is rising is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Rising is going to be like fully leaning into the suck because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That means you might have an uncomfortable conversation. That means you might have to, like in my case, appear in court in front of a judge, in front of people that you don't know and actually, you know, do really hard things. Like for me, get a restraining order. And then it was basically packing everything up. I mean, and leaving everything that I knew about, you know, this life that I had with this person the friendships that we had built together in this community, all of the things. And but it actually gave rise to a very new identity that was starting to be born at the same time. Mm. And I just didn't know because you're kind of like one foot out and one foot in because you're unsure. And that's what I talk about in the book is how to actually embrace the duality of both of those feelings especially in the rising stage where you're you're curious because you finally said the hard thing and you're finally asking for help yet you're reserved or you're mm-hmm. skeptical because you're like oh, I don't know what's going to happen it this is where we embrace the uncertainty mm-hmm. because the uncertainty is so beautiful yet scary at the same time for so many people and you know I want to just point out that that's where the magic lies. You know, my subtitle is called How to Find Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. But the magic is there around us. Mm -hmm. Yes, when we are going through something painful and sucky, it's hard to find it. For sure. We're feeling resentful. We're feeling hurt. We're feeling defeated. And all of those feelings have a place. Yet in that rising stage, that's when we lean into the discomfort because we're building that good stress, Mm. right? And then when we get into magnifying, we're like, okay, I'm a novice again. I'm a beginner again. Maybe for me, it was maybe I'll go on dates. Maybe I'll say yes to myself. Maybe I'll do this whole self-discovery. I was celibate for a few years. I needed to really heal my heart and focus on my own self-healing and deep healing and spending time with shamans and healers and Reiki and, you know, from somatic practitioners to, I mean, I just went all in and all out into the point of figuring out your business. I was a hustler since I was 16 because Mm -hmm. I had to work three jobs. I started businesses when I was really young to actually, you know, get approval from my dad. Right. And so that part was easy for me. What wasn't easy at that point was 
rebuilding confidence Mm -hmm. in what is this new avenue and way going to look like? So for me, it was saying yes to things that scared me, like improv, like stand-up comedy, like getting out of my comfort zone so I, A, can build a new community and find friendships, but also not be afraid of sharing my voice and truth even if it had to sound funny. And I was never, that was never my intent to be like, you know, a comedian. And I don't think I am. But what it did was it gave me permission to be unapologetic. And so that then leads to thriving. And thriving just means that, okay, you are willing to pay it forward. And in that moment, for me, it was, I'm going to say no to dentistry. I've built this thing up. I've loved this. I even, you know, built real estate. I bought the building that this was in. I even committed to expanding it. All of these things were going in the right direction of Mm -hmm. like, why would you ever sell something that you worked so hard to build? And for me, it was like, I don't know, because my ayahuasca journey said to (laughs) was like, (laughs) after three days, this was, you know, envisioning of it. But on a serious note, it was, I always knew that, okay, this was just the first step. Mm -hmm. And when you get so unapologetic about your own healing, I mean, you know this, Mm -hmm. the the doors open massively. We just have to lean into it sometimes. And that's going to be the sucky part in order to fly forward. And that led me to meeting my now husband because we traveled all over the world. And then, you know, our our two kids. Yeah. And so, so much of that really speaks to me. I even think about my own motherhood journey and going through postpartum anxiety and depression. What I realized in one moment, I I was really, really in it and feeling it. And I just went outside and sat on my own. And what I realized is I was resisting so much. I had a lot of thoughts and I was pushing them to the back of my mind and I wasn't allowing myself to feel them. One of the thoughts was, I really liked my life before. Mm. And I would catch myself thinking it and I'd tell myself, well, that's really selfish. Are you saying you don't love your baby? Are you saying X, Y, Z? And I was making it mean something. Mm -hmm. And I was making myself wrong for having a thought. Whereas in that moment, I remember sitting in that chair and really just breathing in the fresh air and allowing the sunshine to, to bring me into presence. And I thought, what if I don't make myself wrong in this moment? What if I hear that you really liked your own life? Okay that's okay. doesn't mean anything. And that allowing just, just felt like comfort in my body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, going through that and, and allowing thoughts that may feel challenging to persist or going through things that you feel like, is this wrong? Is this bad? It can really get you to a better place. And yeah. it is so true. If you resist it, it's going to get louder and louder and louder. Until you pay attention to it, finally. exactly, And, and everything changes. And talk to me about your motherhood journey too, because I know we've touched on it, but what happened for you that kind of changed your identity so much? I feel like every everyone I speak to that has had children instantly speaks of the identity shift. And oh, you hear it, but yes. then when you get it, you get it. So oh. t- what did that look like for you? Oh my gosh. Yes. It was, it was, it was so many feels. It was, I mean, like I said, I never knew what joy could actually feel like. Mm. And I never knew what the opposite feeling of that could feel like because I'm like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm for the first time really experiencing this fullness of joy that I don't think I've ever really experienced for a prolonged moment in time. 
while it was hard, while it was, you know, sleepless nights, while I was, you know, judging myself in all of the ways, while postpartum anxiety was definitely a big, huge thing for me. But joy was this constant because for the first time ever, it wasn't a lot of this like uncertainty of mm-hmm. like, who else is going to go? What what else am I going to be called to do, needing to do? Like I grew up so fast. And so to see the contrast on the other side where it's like, okay, Nita, now you're responsible for this kid. This is it but it's not going to be as crazy as what you grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like now, while my nervous system was activated on a different level from lack of sleep, it wasn't this prolonged like serial trauma that I was exposed to. So there was that that I needed to integrate, Mm -hmm. which felt very different, which is why even the idea of the book, the idea of even the podcast really started coming up when I entered motherhood because I'm like, okay, that's what people really talk about when they're actually talking about joy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there was this whole thing of like, whoa, okay, I'm I'm not this person who is this angel investor who goes in, who partners up with other people, who is this, you know, also the supporter who like, what, what, like, what am I doing? You know, Mm -hmm. and you're constantly questioning because there is- Why am I doing it? And why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Because- and then you're you're judging yourself because you're not really you're figuring out with motherhood and every day is a new day and you know the confidence isn't really there and then i had to really reconcile my own feelings about my mom not being there mm-hmm. and even allowing myself that was a big thing but allowing myself to receive support and nourishment and care because i've always been Mm-hmm. the gatherer. Yeah. Like that is my superpower. Like I am great at community building. I'm great at bringing people together because I had to mm-hmm. at 16 years old, getting people so that I would not feel the gravity of what I was actually going through, you know, in my home personal life. Yet this was the time where I couldn't pour into anyone else except for my baby physically. And I needed to allow, and I needed to ask again to say, okay, I, I need I need the support and not actually even fight it Mm because that's where postpartum depression came in. It was like, oh, you don't need my support, but actually reframe it in a way where it's like, no, Nitha, you are going to, you need to be supported right now. Like with Ari, I only took two weeks off. I know it's so crazy. But I get it. Because I thought my identity was attached to how I show up for people Mm -hmm. and how I show up for my team and taking, you know, at this time it was like coaching calls and leading this for our community. I can do that from the bed. They'd understand. And I remember getting these messages from, you know, some of the professional moms in our community and they were like, don't you need to take more time? And I'm like, no, I got this. Trying to be the smarter, trying to be the superwoman. Well, fast forward to having Isla, my daughter, it was a whole slew of things in and of itself. I wanted to do things differently. I took the two months off and it was really hard to do because you're just, you're figuring it out again. Mm-hmm. In in this case, now you have two and there is a lot more that yes, you've kind of dealt with in the first time, depending on like my birth was, it was all of the feels the first time around. But then the second time things came so easy with Isla, like she came out in like four hours, basically, literally, but yet I still needed to have that time and that peace in allowing my husband, Ajit, who is so supportive 
fully in and really saying, okay, and delegating and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, this is where I need for support. And I can't say enough about the shedding of the layers of the identity piece because it it's like unraveling, you know. But, but it, it's unraveling to find the old you, but the new you. Isn't it an interesting way of describing it? Oh gosh, it's it it's beautiful, and I I love it because some parts of you kind of like die off, and you're like, oh yeah, that that mega hustler, she doesn't have to be that way anymore. It can be yeah. a little bit more, you know soft and it can be like it can be fun it can be playful and it's not you have to have all of the schedules all at one time because it and it's really embracing that messiness Mm -hmm. in the magic and the chaos because that's sometimes like that's how our house was in the very beginning you know like physically and then so then you're like okay mentally emotionally I'm a wreck and guess what that's okay yeah. And in the allowance of like, yep, that's okay. Like I can be mad one second and happy another second and to have all of those feelings and to allow it to breathe and to live. I think that was such a huge, a huge one this time around. Yeah, I agree with that so much. And it's very interesting when you become a mother for the first, second, third, eighth, tenth time, you need support. Yes, can we do all the things? Yeah, sure, we can. Should we? Probably not. Because it's going to catch us up at some point. All of the things we stuffed down, they're going to come out at some point. A lot of what you talk about, it's going to come out. And for me, that was really interesting because what I noticed when when I had this unraveling of the old self, I realized a lot of the old self was was layers I'd put on because of what I'd been through. And I almost envisioned myself coming into this world as my you know, the pure energy that babies are. Mm -hmm. And the way I think about it is I start putting coats on. You know, I put a coat on that told me like I wasn't good enough. So let me prove myself. I put a coat on that told me people abandoned me. So let me never abandon myself. I kept putting these coats on. I kept putting armor on. I was strong. I was resilient. I was direct. I was tough. And when I was in my postpartum journey, the unraveling, I was taking these coats off. And I was coming back to the authentic version of myself. And that's what's powerful when you allow it. Because if you don't allow that support, not just, I'm not just talking about motherhood, but when you go through anything, if you don't allow that support, you're just holding those coats on. You're just holding onto it so tightly that you'll never allow yourself to fully move through it. And when I did that, it was the most powerful thing. And I think it also showed people how to show up for me. My husband loved that he could actually get in and be there. And he was so used to me being so independent and taking care of things. And he was like, wow, she needs me. And it changes everything. Oh oh my gosh. Because people, especially in your inner circle, like they want to be able to support. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like, let me in, you know? And for those that are like, let me in, those are like your, those are your gems. Those are what I call your soul support posse because you see who shows up for you and who doesn't. I will say that. That is is so true. And that you want to cultivate Mm -hmm. deeper, meaningful relationships with because you're like, okay, you get it you see me, it's not a performative thing and you accept me for where I'm at in my crazy and in my thing. I I didn't realize how many memes I saw of like the crazy mom, you know, and it's like a whole thing on like TikTok of like, and I'm like, but it's true. But why can't it just be normal that like we have the variants of all of these big emotions because it is so big. And 
for you, I, I love the whole, the, the armor and like the coats because motherhood just blasts you wide open. <laughs> naked. And you're naked fully and sometimes like literally because, you know, the lots whole, of times. The whole thing, lots of times. <laughs> it's like, all of that goes out over. the window. You're like, you haven't seen me naked yet? Well, here you go. You're about to. Here you go. I'm going to nurse right now, right in front. Yeah. And I think what strips us away from this idea of the whole perfection and it has to be a certain way because you just have no, it, again, we have nowhere to put it. And yeah. so you're just bare and it's accept me as I am. And this is, this is what we're going through and we're going to sit through it. And this is it. Yeah. And I found that too. It's like, accept me for who I am when I'm not, you know, buttoned up and I'm doing X, Y, Z for you, or I'm, you know, accept me as I'm in the mess. And the people that can and do, those are the people that you really want to cultivate those relationships for, because it means a lot to be able, like for me, the the people that I truly care about, it's an honor to help them walk through their mess. And I want the relationships where people feel that too. Because it's not always sunshine and rainbows. No, it's not. And even in our relationships too, you know, every time you have that breakdown, whether it's yourself, mm-hmm. many times in motherhood, it's yourself, it's yourself. And you're just projecting it onto everyone. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everything, whether it's your sandwich or your husband, <laughs> everything is every, everything else as well. <laughs> everything, exactly. And I think that is the beauty of what we're really talking about. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, that sucked. Now what? Can we rewind that? And even the other day, I was like, I was having a moment because, you know, obviously we're, we're in all of it and my one kid is sick and something's going on with the other one and she's like teething. Mm. And so it's like all of these different layers and things. And I just snapped at Ajit in the morning and I was like, wait, what are, you're leaving? We didn't even get a chance to connect. And mm-hmm. he was just like, all right. And I'm like, okay, can we rewind that? Yeah. Because what I really wanted to say was, babe, I'm having a really hard week and I just want us to just hug for a second or something. And he's just like, no, you're totally right. So it was like Mm. to even say, okay, I effed up. Give me a second chance. I'm in all of my feels. And can we restart? I love that. And it's almost like there's the version of you with the armor on that's like, are you leaving? Fucking kidding me. And then the version without the armor, I'm having a really hard time. Can you be there for me right now? Yeah. And what a gift for the people in our life that love us to get the real version of us where they can show up versus them feeling wrong, bad, not good enough. Yeah. And I want to even say this because this is actually applicable to folks who are just even in relationship or even battling issues with their friends and their friendships Mm -hmm. because we have armor in friendships as well. And for somebody to actually be there to see you in that and say, oh, okay, okay, do over, sorry, catching me at a bad week. Like, so that you can actually see if they are your people. Because if they're going to get upset with you because you like got upset with them or lashed out at them, then maybe, or they're going to take it personally, maybe they're not your people. Exactly. And maybe they just have more work to do, which is also (laughs) fine. Okay. So I know I, I could talk to you all day. I can't. Your book is out now. Yes. I love it. That's sucked. Now what? I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Everyone, we talk about supporting authors' books. It's really, really important. Not to mention this is a freaking amazing book. So would love you to go click the link in the bio. Grab it. Grab one for friends too. Let's have friends walk through this journey with us together. And you have these affirmation cards. So I wanted, I, I pulled one. So when we sat down, you gave me the cards and I just grabbed one that felt like I should intuitively pull it. And so on one side, you have an affirmation. And on the other side, you have an action. So I'm going to read the affirmation, which is, 
I am leaning into my edges of what is uncomfortable, knowing that I'm growing into the next version of myself. I'm going to read it again. I want you to really sink into this. I am leaning into my edges of what is uncomfortable, knowing that I'm growing into the next version of myself. Ah, wow. And on the other side, it says list three to five things that are growth edges, meaning taking you out of your comfort zone. Anita, what are three to five things that are your growth edges right now and are maybe taking you out of your comfort zone? Honestly, asking for support for this book. It's Mm -hmm. been a labor of love and I feel like I can do it all, but I really can't. Yeah. And it's sitting with people like you and some of our other friends to really like share, but but asking for the support as well. I think that's a big one for me because I'm hard. I I know that's hard. And even asking, you know, like folks who you haven't spoken to in years and things like that. So that's been such a big growth edge. And then also, you know, I think even leaning into one of the things, you know, with my husband, like having more like of that vulnerability and sharing like when I actually need him for support. And that's so big. And the third thing is also the growth edge for me of this whole like, all right, I am doing what I'm doing for my like this, you know, the next two, three, four, whatever years while raising my family and balancing Mm -hmm. out the feeling of guilt of not having to be there all the time or getting on planes a lot and things like that. And so huge growth edges. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. It's incredible to be prompted to ask questions like this because it just brings you closer to people to really cut past the shit and be like, so what are you dealing with right now? Uh, And you're like, oh, we're the same. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, okay, you're going through that too. Got it. Yep. (laughs) I see you. (laughs) I love it. Well, thanks so much for your authenticity in this. This book is incredible. I can't wait for all of you to to get your hands on it is really, really amazing. I mean, you wrote another book. That must feel good. It must feel good getting this out there. I mean, I'm so excited about it. This is like an encompassing of the last like four years Mm. in the journey of motherhood. And what better way to talk about, you know, normalizing the suck and being brave to suck at something new to build your own version of resiliency. Yes. So where can everyone find you and enter your world? Oh, yeah. So Neetha Bushan, uh, and that's N-E-E-T-A. Bushan is B-H-U-S-H-A-N. And then as you know, thatsucknowwhat.com is where books and, and all of the cards and everything is. And, and yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're so, oh, this was a pleasure. So much juice today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode on the Boss Babe podcast, then I'd absolutely love it if you'd leave us a review. As a thank you, we'll send you our side hustle success kit. Your simple, no BS guide to keeping track of everything that you need to do to start and grow your business. To access this freebie, all you need to do is leave us a review, then share a screenshot of your review with contact at bossbabe.com and we'll send this must-have kit straight to your inbox.